Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Happy Fourth of July weekend. You guys glad to be here? Are you guys glad to be here? This side over here, you guys glad to be here? I'm glad to be here as well. Well, how many had a good week? Let me just ask, you might have a good week? You guys had a good week? Marcus, you had a good week? All right. You guys over here have a good week? Stephen, you got a check in the mail or a check given to you guys for Unite Phoenix, right? That's so cool, man. Very, very cool. And God knows how to supply our needs, right? We're not expecting it. So I love how God does that. Well, Jesus is on the throne, you guys. He's doing some great things in our lives. He's doing some great things here at Banner. How many know we've been on a journey and we're still on a journey and probably will be on a journey uh, specifically with our building and making a transition from Scottsdale to, to Mesa and all the things that go in between that. But we've been talking out of the book of Joshua, taking new territory. How many know that taking new territory is one thing, but occupying it's another thing? Yeah. They're two separate things. You have a promise from God. He said, I'll give you this. You step into that promise. But once you step into the promise, now you're going to have to occupy and secure what God has given to you. Sometimes it's easy to take the promise and forget how to navigate uh, what's required to maintain that which has been given. So this morning, we're going to talk for a few minutes about the idea of let the walls come down. We, we've talked for weeks about the crossing. We've talked about uh, how to take, you know, uh, what it looks like to cross over a threshold into something. Pastor Josh did such a fabulous job talking about Rahab and what that looked like and the beauty. There just, there's some great things that come out of this. But today, we're going to look at what, what kinds of observations can we learn from Joshua chapter 6. I want you to go there in your Bibles. If not... Some of it will be up on the screen. Some of it we're just going to read. We're not going to read every verse in uh, chapter 6. But we're going to at least look at some things here that I think are important for us that we've crossed over. Now as we've crossed over into this new territory from the east side to the west side, now we've got some huge giants before us that we're going to have to conquer. Now let me just say this to you real quick. We, we've been battling some things in the natural as it relates to the spiritual regarding our building and where we're headed into the city of, of, of Mesa. And it's no surprise to us that we're in a pretty heavy spiritual battle right now. And if you haven't been, you need to be praying for Pastor Josh and Katie because they're carrying the burden of this thing, navigating this journey of us getting to the place where God's called us. And so we thank God for every one of you that's been involved, partnering with them and and helping us navigate the challenges of purchasing a building and all that goes with that. But if we think that's the only giant that's going to have to be taken down as we enter into the new land, you're a little naive in your thinking. And just because, listen, I say this with kindness, but just because you show up at church on a Sunday or you belong to Banner Church doesn't mean you're going to be exempt from any kind of spiritual warfare as it relates to the, the body of Christ. We are a family. And I used to say this kind of tongue-in-cheek in in San Diego, but when you mess with one bean, you mess with the whole burrito. (laughs) Right? 
you mess with one of us, you're going to mess with the whole family. And so if we're going to go, if, if we're going to go through something as leadership, we're all going to go through it together. So we've got to navigate this well. We've got to make sure that we stay what our title of the series was, not just taking new territory, but be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. All right, here we go. So in the 70s, most of you will have no clue about this, this illustration, but that's okay. In the 70s, there was a, a brokerage firm by the name of E.F. Hutton. Some of you know this. This guy ran an, uh, a series of t TV campaigns, commercials, and the setup was always similar. Two people in a crowded public place are talking about financial matters. One shares the wisdom of some broker. The other person responds, well, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, dot, dot, dot. At that moment, the surrounding crowd is immediately quiet. Everyone leans forward eagerly to hear what E.F. Hutton has to say. The voiceover explains, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Some of you remember this commercial at all? You ever heard of it? When E.F. Hutton speaks, everyone listens. I remember this. I, I, I mean, as a kid, I had, you know, no, you know, uh, skin in the game, so to speak. I'm a young boy, had no money in the market, meant nothing to me, but I remembered E.F. Hutton's words. He had a voice worth hearing, a powerful voice in that market for certain. According to the book of Genesis, God's voice is even more powerful than E.F. Hutton, right? By speaking, God actually creates. When God says, let there be light, Light comes into existence. When God says, let the earth put forth vegetation, the earth is filled with plants and trees. The voiceover for Genesis, I might say it this way. When God talks, creation happens. God's word is indeed more powerful than E.F. Hutton's. So if this is true, we ought to pay close attention to what God is telling us in this hour like those eavesdroppers in the E.F. Hutton commercials, we should quiet down enough to pay attention to what God's trying to tell us. And I think you'd agree that we all have many voices speaking into our lives. Some of those voices might be super wise. Some of them, not so much. But it would be important for us in the midst of all the voices in the world that we allow God to give us his grace to hear his voice in the time in which we're living. Let me just add that right now, in my opinion, it's as important as ever before as a church family for you to make time for God, to hear his voice. And not only hear his voice, but when you hear his voice, to see what it is he's saying and doing and then act on it. Hear, see, and do. I believe that's what was happening in Joshua chapter six. Matter of fact, I believe that's the life of Joshua. Let's, let's jump into this a little bit and see what we can learn from how God spoke 
to Joshua, who was leading what? A few million people, small congregation there on the east bank that moved over to the west side. Talk about looking for a building. It's a big church building, if you know what I'm saying. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Let's read that together. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, and the Lord said to Joshua, and the Lord, E.F. Hutton, said to Joshua, see, S-E-E, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Stop for a moment, let's just talk about this. Verse one suggests that in the fortified city of Jericho, the people that were inside that city were not leaving or entering. They were in place and not going anywhere. Why? Why were that going back and forth in and out of that city? Because they were already afraid of what they had heard about the un oncoming two million plus people that just crossed a river and now are coming to take their inheritance. They had heard of the fame of the Israelites and they were aware of the potential of what could happen. Verse two says this, and the Lord said, see, take notice this morning, pay attention. Here's what God was saying, I, God, have given into your hands Jericho. Simply noted, it's yours to possess, control, to take dominion and rule over. This is what he told Joshua. He said, see this. You see, sheep know the shepherd's voice. Joshua knew that God was speaking to him in that moment. He said, see, Joshua, see, I want you to take notice. You see, before the mandate of taking possession of Jericho can be carried out, Joshua, the leader, must have heard from God and then obey the voice of God. He said, look, Joshua, I'm, I'm giving you this city. Look, Banner Church, listen. Look, 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 see, see, see. I'm giving you a new building. I'm giving you a city. I'm giving you a neighborhood. I'm giving you a, a, a marriage to succeed in. I'm giving you the privilege of raising children. See, my hand is upon you. I think that's what he's trying to tell Joshua. Joshua, see, understand, look around. I've got you. You see, the children of Israel were not warriors or skilled in battle by any means. But the mighty warriors of Jericho were a people that had seen the hand of God many times come forth and bring them from crisis into victory. See, that's why the plan of God is so brilliant when we begin to look at it here. His ways are always higher and greater and more creative than our ways. You ever felt like, I don't know how God's gonna get us out of this. Like you feel there's no way out. But we serve an incredibly creative God. And what we read here in chapter six, it was not 
the way that most in that day or even today would have thought it was going to be carried out. They probably thought Jericho, the people of Jericho probably thought it was going to be more of a military coup or a military campaign. They would come in with their spears, their shields, their men of war and conquer the city. Well, they did, but much different than that. So what I'd like to do this morning, I want to give you some general observations I believe we can glean from Joshua chapter 6. The first one I want to look at is this. Unity of purpose, unity of purpose must be our priority. Unity of purpose must be our priority. I, I'm convinced every congregation, every church, every single believer has a purpose in which they exist. I believe this with everything that's in me, that you have been destined with purpose. God has prepared you for such a time. Matter of fact, in your mama's womb, he fashioned you, he formed you, he made you just the way you are, and he didn't expect you to simply exist in the, the kingdom of God and, and not do anything with the things he's placed inside of you. Purpose destiny. Now you take that in the context of a congregation or a body of believers. We have purpose as a church. We have a reason we exist. And it's not simply to gather on Sundays. It's not simply just to be called Banner Church and give our money, give our tithe, give to missions, you know, give to different things like that. Can we drink this water, babe? Yeah. Thank you. Take the offering, Candy. Sound like I was a pretty mean leader, huh? Candy, you're going to take the offering and you're going to like it. She did great. You can tell she did great. So you see what we're, we're, we're headed. Is that unity of purpose must be our priority. In Joshua chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, we're not going to read those for the sake of time, but we have to understand that they, they Joshua coming out of verses 1 and 2, he had heard the voice of God. He saw what God was saying and doing. Now he laid out the plan. God laid out the plan. And in chapter 6, you'll three, three different ways that he spoke the plan to, Joseph, to Joshua. Three different ways. Now, I'm not going to go over every single way because I want to stay to the point. But in this text, we see God download a specific pattern or strategy to bring down the wall. And allow, and I should say walls, and allow them to enter the promised land, their promised land. Even though the plan sounded unconventional, Joshua obediently led the people in it, making sure their attitudes were in agreement. Now listen to this, making sure their attitudes were in agreement in, in, in uh, leading up to that one moment, that incredible moment where the unified shout of praise brought the walls crumbling down. See why? Why was it important that there was unity? I don't know about you, but if I've got two million people in my church, there's no way in the world there's not one person that out of two million that's not complaining about the plan. And when you read about how they marched around the city, or they they were unified, they were unified in their following Joshua, that he said, "Don't even don't even say anything when you when we when we walk. Don't just don't talk." I'm like. Do you know church people? We talk. We can't even whisper quietly. Do 
Joshua didn't want any human reasoning to erode the power of agreement and faith. So he commanded them to not speak at all as they marched around the walls on that last day seven times. I don't know, I just think there's something powerful about a unified voice. It's important for us as a family right now that we stay connected in our purpose, in our pursuit of moving from where we've been into a new place, into a new season. Into, I, I believe this, you guys. I'm going to prophesy this because I believe with all my heart that God is preparing us for something amazing. And don't put him into a box. Don't, don't begin to think like other churches or everyone else's church that's grown by thousands and we're going to look like this and we're going to look like that. No, we're going to look the way God created us to look. It's going to look, feel, and be exactly what God has downloaded to our Joshua. It's going to be a family that God's crafting. It's going to be a place of discipleship. It's going to be a hub of activity in Mesa. We're going to reach people for Jesus. Whether they come to our church or not, our building isn't the issue. We're going to do our best to be an expression of the kingdom of God in Mesa and believe that God's raising us up for such a time. I hope you agree. If you do agree, just say amen. Okay, almost all of you. Well, some of you. It's exciting. The second thing I want, observation I like to look at is this, is there's no obstacle or wall is, that is too great for God to bring down. There's, there, there's nothing too big for God. I mean, if you, if you read this passage and you do any research, it's going to tell you that it wasn't one wall that had to come down. There was actually two walls that fortified Jericho. There was a lower wall and an upper wall, and in between the two walls, people lived. And then, of course, above the, the upper wall. But the point is that there were two walls that had to be brought down. So it was no simple task of just a bunch of military men putting ropes on the wall, going around the entire, you know, seven or eight acres, maybe nine acres of, of property that existed, and at the same time going, pull, pull, and the walls come tumbling down. It was much greater obstacle than that. You see, when we have a word from God, it doesn't matter what stands in your way. When God's word speaks to you, when God gives you a mandate, when God gives you a prophetic word, when God gives you some instruction, you need to hang on to that no matter what man says, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what the circumstances look, look like. He said, that, that, that sickness is going to pull me down. Until the moment you take your last breath, you hold on to the promise of God that he wants to heal your body. When the finances look really, really bad, and you don't know how you're going to get through it, hold on to the promises of God and don't let go. Because there's no wall that's too great for God to bring down. You see, walls and obstacles are temporal. They're temporary and subject to God's authority. But his word is eternal. It's powerful. And it cannot return void without achieving its purpose. Sometimes I think we forget how powerful God's word is. You know, he's, not, he, he's here, but he's not contained in this Bible. But he's here. We learn about him here. 
If God is for us, who can be against us? You got to believe that's what they were feeling when they're looking at this massive thing. How do we get inside the walls of this place? If God is for us, who can be against us? If, God's, if, if God is for us, Banner Church, nothing's going to stop us from crossing over into our territory in Mesa. What, a half a million people, I think, live in Mesa? We've got our work cut out for us. That's why we never give up, you guys. Let me give you this scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. I'll read out the New Living. It says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits being renewed every day, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at our troubles. We can see now, rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I love that. How about we look at this next observation or this next thing here, it's this. I'm reminding us of our series that we must be strong and courageous. We must be strong and courageous. We must be. I'm kind of blown away, to be honest with you, how many people we've watched over our 30 years of ministry and life, 37 years of marriage this month. Oh, it's July 2nd. Wow. I just felt really old. Sorry. Let me take a moment. been doing this a long time and I'm, I'm actually quite maybe not as surprised as I used to be but I'm, I'm blown away sometimes at how people we've known over the years that had relationship with Jesus in a moment of crisis or difficulty weren't strong and weren't courageous they actually went the opposite direction and hightailed it to a company of people that would not necessarily fuel their faith lift up their arms and say you can do this with God's grace and God's help you can do this let's do it together that's what community is about that's what family is about we do this together strong and courageous we must be we're pressed on every side by troubles but we're not crushed we're perplexed but not driven to despair we are hunted down but never abandoned by God that's a good one. Never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. 2 Corinthians 4.8 says that. See, there was constant intimidation from the enemy. And I, I've got to believe that when they were looking at these walls, there had to be these, these Canaanites, the occupants of Jericho, that were sitting on the walls and watching them down below and taunting them and, and mocking them and trying to intimidate them. Like, who do you guys think you are? You're a bunch of little ants. You can't take this city. Look at look what we've got here. This thing is fortified. We built this thing. There had to be some lingering feelings of disappointment and guilt that can at times affect our, our, our journeys. Past failings can limit our future. But so often these setbacks are actually setups for our future. 
turning our messages into messages of hope for others. Your story matters. What you've journeyed through matters. The things you've overcome matter to God and your story matters to others. You've got to learn that your testimony is important for others to hear. Your story is important. God loves us in spite of our past and he calls us into a bright future with him. See, despite their constant disobedience, God still desired for his children to inherit their promised land. And the only reason they wandered so long in the wilderness, worshiping other gods and constantly complaining, many never seen the promised land in their lifetime was because they doubted God. Not because they doubted them, they doubted God. How quickly they forgot how God saved them from slavery. How quickly we forget how God's taken us from a life of sin into salvation. How quickly we forget the moment we had an encounter with God at the altar and you felt his glory manifest of your body. You felt his presence only to get home and get something in the mail that said, you are seven months in arrears. And that what happened over here is completely lost over here. God is saying this morning, be strong and very courageous. I will help you out of this. Don't forget what I did for you over here at this altar. He miraculously saved them and protected them, provided food for them. Remember that in the wilderness? They got McManus burgers, McManus shakes. He got all kinds of stuff every day in the wilderness. It was his love and his goodness that kept him reaching out to them. And in the same way, listen, we must choose to follow him. He always gives us his best and steps into fight on our behalf. His, his only expectation is that we will take him at his word. If he said it, you can believe it. And trust him, no matter our circumstances. Let me give you another observation here. In Joshua chapter 6, large obstacles, walls, can become thresholds into the promise. Large walls or obstacles can become thresholds into our promises. It says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew their trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with great, a great shout that the wall or walls fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. We see here that whatever stands in our way can become the gateway into our promise. That obstacle, that wall, that trial, that struggle you're going through right now, that thing you're looking at, it's daunting. You can look at that thing and, and realize that once that thing falls, it's going to propel you into your promise. It's going to propel you into your destiny. It's going to take you to the next place that God's prepared for you. We cannot let that obstacle, we cannot let a wall, we cannot let fear, we cannot let anything that is a hindrance to us keep us from continuing to go after that until we see it crash, until we see it crumble, until we see that thing fall 
and be removed from our lives. You see, scholars believe that the walls of Jericho fell forward, meaning that the rubble that fell formed a ramp for the Israelites to climb up and take the promised land. That said, don't allow the thick walls of opposition in our lives to intimidate us and drive us out of the race that God has planned for our lives, our destinies. Instead, be determined to be an overcomer. Be determined to overcome the obstacles and use them as stepping stones, gateways, thresholds you cross over into your promises. Unconventional as it was, their shout of obedience brought the walls down. What once was an obstacle or a huge thick wall of separation is now, you're now standing on top of it, crossing over into your promises. The evil one is constantly looking for ways to build walls of separation between you and God. Walls of doubt, shame, fear, anger, mediocrity, emotions of inferiority. But God sent his son Jesus to destroy those obstacles, destroy those walls of separation that keep us from marching forward into our inheritance. Don't you love Jesus? Don't you love Jesus? You guys okay? Let me look at one or two more here. This one here is one that we love here at Banner. Candy and I love this one as well, but listen. Worship is the key that releases the sound of victory. You know, this whole story is really about worship, right? When you really read Joshua chapter 6, as I mentioned, three different ways is expressed how they're to march around the city and to play their trumpets and to release a sound. It's all part of our worship expression. They were worshiping for seven days. Worship is the key that releases the sound. The city of Jericho was ultimately overthrown by a sound. Not an ordinary sound, but a supernatural sound of praise. Let me say this to you. When you, when you research, you really can't find the real reason the walls fell. Someone will tell you it was an earthquake. Some will tell you it was this reverberation of the sound waves. They hit the walls and they bounced around and that caused them to fall, maybe... It doesn't really matter how they fell. The fact of the matter is it was a miracle that they fell and the children of Israel worshiped their way into their inheritance. Why do you think we worship? Do you think it's just what we're supposed to do? Man, I, I, would, I would wonder what happened if we just went like from our, our three songs that we do sometimes to five or six on a Sunday morning, and next thing you know, we've been in worship for an hour. What would happen with your breakthrough? Or would some of you be annoyed because we went too long? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to tell you that when you posture yourself, you posture your heart in such a way that, God, I just want to worship you. I, want, I just want my heart to be so in tune with your voice. I want to hear you. I want when you speak like E.F. Hutton, I want to stop. Yes, Lord. You want me to what? That sounds crazy. You know it's crazy? Okay. But I trust you. I'm going to obey you. 
Oh, taste and see that you're good. I know you're good. Okay, I'm going to go tell my wife. I'm going to tell my family. And we're going to do this thing. Whether anyone else does it or not, your obedience is not predicated on someone else's uh, uh, ability or their, uh, their acceptance of our decisions. Worship releases the sound of victory. Let me, let me just take this a little bit further. It says, the seven ram's horns that were being blown by the priests here declared the message of Jubilee, a proclamation that the kingdom of God had been released on earth. You see, the year of Jubilee in the Bible was a year where debts were wiped away and captives set free. Significantly, it was announced by the blowing of the trumpets and a shout. This was the prophetic sound message that was being released through the ram's horns, filling the airways with faith, an awakening of hope at the cusp of their triumphant victory. At the sound of the last blow of the horn, how's that? I'm not going to do it again. That was an elephant, sorry. That was a different, different sermon altogether, Noah's Ark. The people were instructed, the last blast of the horn, the people were instructed to shout as loud as they could. Do you remember us doing a shout over the other building that one Sunday? There's power in the shout. So they shouted as loud as they could. And I would imagine... Seriously, if, if, if millions of people were to shout with everything they've got within them at the same time, the, 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 what they call it, the meter, the decibel meter, whatever it is that reads it, would be off the chart and probably break it. It had to have been so piercing and powerful because it wasn't, there was nothing, I'm, this is not part of my, this is my, just a thought, but there was no other radio waves, there was no other stuff in the atmosphere. Like right now, we got all these satellite beams, we got all this stuff going on around it. There was nothing like that then. It was pure. And they lifted up a shout. So powerful. In other words, when they shouted, it was their amen. Seven days we've been doing this. Seven days we've been waiting. And now we've shouted. And now so be it, God. Amen. It's ours for the taking. And after walking around the walls many times in silence, they brought their obedience and faith. They came into agreement with the big God and said, the thick, immovable walls are going crumble to right, crumble right now. And here's what I want to say. A, a unified shout of praise at the walls of our own obstacles in life is when, you, is when we bring our amen to God's yes. We bring our amen, our so be it, to his yes. This is what I want for your life. We agree. Amen. So be it. Yes, God, we'll follow your lead. So much more I want to say on the whole expression of worship. But of all these points, 
this one excites me the most because I've seen it time and time again. It reminds me, I'll just touch on, it reminds me when, when King Saul was mad in the palace. He started throwing spears, man. He was just angry and demonically influenced. And they bring David in and David would begin to lead worship. And in the atmosphere of that place in worship, King Saul would mellow out. The spears would stop being thrown. He would come back to his normal senses and his right mind. So many times, I probably thought I was mad, but so many times in my worship, God's brought revelation to how good he is, how kind he is. And we just have to, and I'm saying we don't, but we just have to get to a place, everyone, where this is not going away. We're gonna worship harder and louder and more intensely in the months and years to come than we ever have today. Why? Because there's breakthrough in the worship. I'll say it again. Worship is the key that releases the sound of victory. And I'll say the last thing I want to share with you is this. Our surrender to God is our personal key to victory. Our surrender to God is our key to victory. Joshua's complete surrender brought the children of Israel into their promise. His willingness to obey God's directive, remember verse two? Joshua said yes to that. His yes would have been, I don't know, if you're like me, it would have been much easier to say no and do my own thing to say yes and have to fight and hope we win. See, a surrendered life is an honorable life. Look what Joshua did after they took the city. After victoriously entering the promised land, Joshua decided in his heart to dedicate all of Jericho's plunder, the silver, the gold, the vessels, the bronze, iron, all that stuff. It says that in verse 24. These things we, we were sacred to the Lord, and it was Joshua's firm conviction to put God first and honor him with all of the treasure. Verse 23 and 25, we find something really special. We find this thing, I call it Rahab's reward. Her surrender was her salvation. Her willingness to help Caleb and Joshua escape, she surrendered her life as a prostitute, and a reward is found in these verses. You see, her reward was that she was brought into the family of the Israelites, even though she was a part of the Canaanite tribe. The Lord had all the people inside the walls of Jericho destroyed because of their worship and their practice beliefs of other gods. In essence, she was considered a sinner, brought into a living relationship with God and his chosen people. Why? Because of her surrender and willingness to obey that ultimately brought the victory to she and all of her household. When God orchestrates a great victory in our lives, he is worthy to receive the first fruits of the battle. And by putting him first with the spoils of war, he faithfully provides for us wonderful things in return. By honoring him in this way, we demonstrate our absolute surrender and thankfulness to him and position ourselves to receive even more from our generous and good dad. We can never outgive God. I know sometimes I think we, we, we think we can, not financially, 
but the American church, they're like, I'll, 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 give, I'll give some money to the church, and, and then we give a little bit of our time by showing up at church every five or six weeks. And I'm not equating faithfulness just to being in the house of God. I'm just saying where we place our priorities, where we place the value of our money, where we place the value of our time, our treasure, our talents, you will find it reflects your view of who God is in your life. Yeah. What a great story we find in chapter 6. At every stage, last thing we'll share, we'll, Dan, if you guys want to come on up, that'd be so cool. At every stage in the process, we see the, the hand of God. We see his fingerprints all over it. Faithfully leading and guiding his children in their journeys. In their journey towards freedom, in their journey towards inheritance. Even though they've failed and made a lot of mistakes along the way, he never abandoned them. And he will likewise never abandon us. There's not a person in this room that hasn't made a mistake in their following Jesus. If not this morning, maybe this afternoon. It's the grace of God. It's the goodness of God that covers all of that. We have a tremendous opportunity to take territory that God's, I believe, giving to us. Neighborhoods. Cities. Nations. Our vision is not exclusive to a building. Our dream is to carry the message of hope wherever the Lord allows us to go. And to equip and disciple you as sons and daughters of the King to walk well with Jesus. So this morning, as we, we bring closure, I subtitled this, Let the Walls Fall Down. And I, I gotta believe that there's some people here this morning that it's not just one wall, but there's multiple walls that you're facing. You got, the, you, got a fa you got a wall over here of addiction, maybe. You've got a wall of fear over here. You've, you've got a, a wall of, well, how are we going to make it financially in this world? You've got a wall over here that's keeping you from, from moving forward. Like, well, God, I don't know if I trust you for a spouse. You've got a wall over here that says, man, Lord, my, my marriage is struggling. I don't know if you can bring us out of this. And we've got obstacles before us. But how many understand and realize this morning that Jesus paid the price so that all those obstacles could be removed? And just like Joshua, learning to hear the voice of God, seeing what he's doing and then acting on that will lead us into places that the Father is destined for us. But as long as we continue to look at that wall and go, yeah, there's no way I can ever see that thing destroyed. I can never get around. I can't climb over it. It will, it will be the thing that will keep you from truly walking in the perfect place that God's destined for your life. Would you stand with me, would you? Holy Spirit, I pray in the next few moments that it'll just be a, a moment where your voice becomes louder than any other voice. And Lord, I pray that there would be a huge word of 
thought theme that you deposit to the hearts of your people this morning. I pray that some people here would begin to believe and hear the words that I can overcome all things. I pray God there'd be some people here this morning that would begin to look at the wall and go, you're not going to keep me from my destiny. I pray for a holy boldness to begin to raise up in this house this morning and to be strong and courageous and go, God, I'm going to believe what your word teaches and I'm going to step into my purpose. I'm going to take a, a prophetic see what I love when it says that I've given you I have given you Jericho into your hand that was a prophetic declaration not of what may happen but it was almost as if when you read it it's already happened the city has already been given to you all you've got to do now is step over into it do what I've laid out for you to do march around the city blow the trumpets worship in silence and then shout and what I've told you will come to pass I pray Father that the things that we know you promised we would contending for it until it comes to pass prophetically we declare God that you will fulfill the things you've promised it's already happened now God may we just step into it Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.